Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on recent sermon themes and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org. Be sure to say which sermon your question is about, if applicable, and don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about any question askers on this podcast. November and December's themes were healing and stillness. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons Hearts of Flesh, All Souls, and The Sound of Snow, all of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hello, we're back at it. We are. It's our very last episode of the year. I know, which is very strange. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what a magical way to end the year. I love podcasting. I do too. And suddenly, uh, when 2021 rolls around, everything will be different and better and fixed. And we won't have to worry about anything ever again. Well, my if, if anybody reads my Vista letter, who knows if people read the Vista, which is a monthly newsletter, um, I remind us all to be gentle with ourselves. Because when we do come out of quarantine, I think everyone's going to be a little edgy, you know, because like we haven't been within six feet of other people in over a year so it's gonna be an exciting year ahead and hopefully we'll be together in person yeah i do kind of forget how to like be a person out of my home i know now that i think about it i know all of our like weird quarantine behaviors it's just gonna we're gonna have to re-socialize to normal <laughs> normal human life Oh, man. I think everyone is also, like, we just need to agree as a society, like, blanket allowance to wear literally any pants you want. Like, sweatpants, <laughs> leggings. Like, you never have to wear any pants No pants ever again. Yeah. We'll just, like, avert our eyes from, like, the bottom half of everyone's body from now on. It will <laughs> like, be really interesting to see, like, I don't know how this changes everybody. So, you know, we'll get there. Slowly but surely we'll get there. Yes. Um, speaking of slowly but surely getting there, let's yeah. um, talk about some themes from sermons like awesome. we sometimes do here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so just to like have a softball start, um, <laughs> I want to talk to you about how financialization is like a parallel to hearts of flesh. <laughs> You were so clearly in finals week of a grad school program. I know. Okay. I like everyone listening. I cannot keep it together. I am like, I am like hopefully three hours away from like being totally done with the semester and I have nothing left. So all I'm thinking about is like social policy. Amazing. But so I will fill in the rest of the dots for that um, connection that I made. Yes. So please. basically like. Because, like, that serpent was a lot about, like, how it's possible that people cause harm to each other in some certain specific ways. Yep. And a lot of it is, one way is, you know, believing that they're 
worth less than you because of conditioning. Yep. Um, And it, it's also your capacity to feel like your capacity to feel affects how you treat people. Yeah. But that is sort of predicated upon not having emotional distance from the effects of your actions. Like being able to tangibly in an emotional sense, like understand the pain that you're causing and Mm. In a system, like in our economic system, more and more, the financial abuse between people and different groups of people and like the the inequity in our yeah. educate in our uh, economic system has so much distance between actors. Yeah, it's all obscured. Right. It's totally obscured by so yeah. many different layers that it impacts our ability to understand the harm that other people are causing and the or the, the harm that we're causing other people yep. and how we're connected to everyone in that system. Yeah. This is where, so I sew as my hobby and source of COVID sanity. I make my own mm-hmm. clothes. Um, and it's it's always been wild to me, sort of the whole fast fashion thing and this notion that you can buy things really cheaply. And I remember the first time to a friend, I was like, well, you know, it just means that you're not paying for the cost. Like somebody else is paying for the cost of that clothing and her look of like total bafflement because we don't see like if you don't understand the process of some kind of production line, you don't see where like your discount or you're getting a good deal is actually like harming someone else way down the line that you'll never meet. Um, And so I, yeah, it's really complicated because you don't, it's sort of hard to know that you're doing harm if you're so far removed from it that you don't even, you can't even imagine what it would be or what to do about it. Yeah. Even if you had the time, even if you right. didn't have to like sell your time to yeah. the market to survive, yeah. um, like even if you had all that spare time, how would you even figure it out? I mean, right. you can't <laughs> at this point, like it's very rare that you can actually trace a supply line all the way to the end. Yeah. Um, and even if you did, like, what are your alternatives? Like the amount of privilege that you need to yes. avoid that fast fashion. Right. 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 Because then there's the issue of cost and sort of the luxury of sort of moral purity. Right. Because it costs so much. Um, so one of the yeah. things that I did this month, starting at the end of November, was my small acts big principles post leading up to the holidays i think i did four weeks in a row were about ways to give gifts that are in line with our values specifically to sort of think about this issue of like when you give someone a gift and it creates joy for them i want to make sure that that matches the sort of joy of production right like that there wasn't any harm done in the creation of that object um and so we did a bunch of different versions of small businesses and businesses like Freedom From, which is um, they make bath and sort of body products, but it's specifically a nonprofit that teaches financial literacy and business skills to survivors of domestic violence. The sort of goal was to lift up this like, let's look at this issue of supply chain and it's hard to find places where you can see it all so when you find those places let's make sure to tell each other um so that was sort of one of my small ways of 
of trying to poke a little bit of a hole in that. But yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, that was kind of what I was going to ask you about is ways to shorten that distance between, you know, our effects on everything, you know, everything that we do without getting overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, what if there's not an alternative that is consistent with my ability to pay for it or my time to pay for it or you know, whatever else it may be. Yeah, like, or simply access. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think, right, perfectionism, again, is one of these tenets of white supremacy culture. And so part of this is the, like, learning, once we know, once we know better, we can try and do better to the best of our ability, right? And so maybe that's trying to buy more local food when you can and accepting that we can't always do it. And so we're going to lean towards changing our daily choices in a way that's positive without getting stuck in the fact that we can't do it all perfectly, right? Because like no individual person is solely responsible for capitalism, um yes. or right like like we can't we can't hold ourselves to that kind of standard and still collectively Right. There is this shop local movement and there is a sort of farmers market buy your food locally movement. So I think it's it's sort of being curious about the ways and the moments that we can make different choices instead of just assuming, right, like Amazon's our only choice and, you know, like always, always buy fast fashion and, you know, whatever, like. We can sort of get curious about what are what are the different options that I could choose that might be more in line with my values. Yeah, it's a really hard thing, and I so I have kind of a hard time with this too. Yeah, the relationship between you. Know, I keep coming back to the like carbon footprint movement when it comes yep. to climate change. Yep, but I keep coming back to it because. The reason that there was all of this focus on individual ways that you can manage your personal climate footprint is because corporations lobbied and ran like huge marketing campaigns to distract from the fact that like they are the actual ones responsible for it. Right. It's like a hundred companies, right? Yeah. Well, and and I think this is exactly that, right? Like, because... The collective of society, right, has leverage to sway those companies. And so the ways that we make individual individual choices can push those big organizations. And at the same time, we sort of need to do that with the knowledge that, like, it's not individual people that are causing the problem. It's these the decisions of large organizations that have so much influence. But also, but it's sort of that duality of like acknowledging the power of that and not forgetting that we collectively as individuals have power too. Yeah. I have trouble with that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because it's complicated and requires, right? This is sort of, again, that like active faith of believing in the interconnectedness of us, right? And like having faith that we are not the only ones trying to make change and accepting that like it's not all on each of us individually right it's sort of this multi-faceted 
active faith in in the interconnectedness of people and life yeah it's almost like that's sort of like what our religion says yeah i know i am the minister (laughs) i had to go there (laughs) yeah that's fair i know it's tough um Uh, yeah, speaking of you being the minister, yeah. expert podcast transition, um, <laughs> we spoke a little bit, um, probably more than a year ago at this point, about yeah. how you kind of draw boundaries about what you share about your personal life yeah. in sermons. Yep. Um, and I remember you saying that you preach from scars, not wounds, and that yep. you talk about things that have happened in your life not for yourself, not that you're still struggling with, um, but for the benefit of people hearing. And this most recent sermon was really, really personal. Yeah. um, Sound of Snow. So I wanted to ask how you sort of walked that line and decided to share this particular experience of yours. Well, and I'll, and I'll share too, for, for anyone who is actually there that Sunday, there is the great irony that I lost my voice that weekend. And so this was the, the most personal sermon that I've given in this congregation, or maybe ever, and I couldn't physically deliver it myself. And so one of my um, dear friends and colleagues offered to read it for me, um, which is sort of this wild moment of... Um, was one of our congregants said that it felt like divine intervention because in a sermon that was sort of about like accepting that our inherent worth does not come from what we can do in that moment Mm -hmm. with that message i could not physically speak the story which is wild and amazing and felt sort of magical for me like it was just sort of like i this is this is perfect and strange and beautiful so that sermon, um, I would imagine, was harder for people to hear than it was for me to give. And so I chose to give that sermon because a lot of people are struggling in a lot of different kinds of ways in our congregation and in the world. Like, right, we, we know this. And it can be really hard to let down sort of the facade of everything's fine. And there is this sort of religious compulsion or even maybe just like American culture compulsion um, to just like be positive and like the whole like spread good vibes thing, which is like can be good. But if it's actually a way of denying the hard things, it's actually really harmful. And so my my choosing to write this sermon was... Because I felt like this was a story that people needed to know. Both, it sort of, it served multiple purposes, or at least that was my goal. That it sort of, one, hopefully opens up this narrative about who struggles. Because a lot of people, even when I was like so deep in having a traumatic brain injury that I like didn't know what year it was, I would run into people because all I could really do that summer was like go for walks and wander around. That was like the most that that I could handle. And I would run into classmates who would tell me that I looked great. Oh. And it was the strangest thing because I 
I looked the same way that I always look, but I like could sometimes not speak in a complete sentence. And so my hope in telling this story is it breaks up this notion of that only other people struggle, right? And like some people just nothing goes wrong and like if only I had their life. And especially being someone who went to Yale um, and have this like Ivy League thing, there's again this assumption of perfection. And so part of the goal in telling this story was to disrupt that notion. So that was one thing. Another thing was to sort of model practicing how we talk about struggle. Because as I'm sure you know, there's sort of this inspiration porn thing where mm-hmm. where people are like, what it's the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Like you just, it made you so much better, which is still this like overly positive read on struggle. And so my hope in telling this story was to just find some stillness in that place of lostness to model giving other people the permission to do that, right? And to not need to tell a story in a way that has some like gilded, perfect, I don't know, ending. Because even even the whole ending part, which I sort of almost didn't tell about winning that award, to me, that wasn't really a happy ending. It was sort of, to me, that was about the struggle too of sharing how hard things were because that it's a thing that can actually be really painful. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to to name the complexity of that for other people who experience that complexity too. So, and the third thing was that there's also this dynamic in being a minister where unlike a therapist, the congregation knows me, right? Like they know me quite well because we do this thing every week and we see each other all the time and I tell them stories about my own life. But in the dynamic of providing pastoral care for someone, that is a moment when my focus is really on making space for their story. Um, And I've had a lot of people who in this year of struggle and sort of being alone needed to share their stories of struggle and have had moments of sort of confusion that I understand this experience of darkness so well. Hmm. But in that moment, it's sort of not the time to tell the story about like, I've been through the dark too. And so preaching is a moment to share a story without disrupting that space. So that was sort of my goal. And it and it was really beautiful because after after I gave that sermon, multiple people told me that they now felt safer sharing their own hard stories. Um, and I think for me, that's that's the goal, right? Like that's the reason that I yeah that I wrote that to share. So yeah, that makes sense because like last month's theme was listening. Yeah, and I think one thing that can trip people up in trying to listen is you know, in search of connection, like, yeah, turning it and saying, like, here's my story that's similar. Yeah. Um, which I think can definitely contribute to building connection. And so far as it, you know, is a sharing of vulnerability and right. um, like commiseration and empathy, but also does turn the focus back on you. And so yeah. um, I, I understand how it would have to be the definitely the right place and time for you to make it about you in right. order to right. 
give your half of the vulnerability there. Yes. Right. The complicated dance of of ministry. And also like human relationships, right? Yeah, like, totally. Right. That's hard for me to navigate sometimes. Like if I'm talking to someone and, you know, I'm trying to commiserate or whatever and I end up right. talking about myself, you know, like that. And then you realize you're talking about yourself. And yep. I don't know. It can like get in the way of some things, but yeah. Well, and it's and it's a hard. Again, that's a really hard skill to learn. This sort of listening and just receiving, and at the same time, there's the complexity that like Brene Brown says that hearing me too is sometimes like the most healing thing. Um, so it's a it's a complicated and nuanced dance. The sort of how we tell our stories in the interest of showing up for each other. Yeah. Do you want to give like a little preview of your next sermon? Oh, for Christmas Eve? Yeah, because we're not going to get a chance to talk about it probably. Yeah. So, yeah. So tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Um, mm-hmm. So that will amazingly, shockingly be my last sort of mini sermon of 2020, which is wild to think about. And so the the theme of the service or the sermon rather is the power of friends because this is a really weird Christmas, right? And holiday season in general, because so many people are alone or with just the people they've been quarantined with for months. Um, we're doing Christmas Eve on Zoom, which is, I mean, we're, we're skilled at it now and we're used to Zoom now, but, and at the same time, it's strange, right? And so my sermon, um, since we're recording this before Christmas Eve, technically, is about remembering that we can do so much more together than we can ever do alone. Um, and even though we're sort of physically separate and, and having this experience in some ways of isolation this holiday season, the reason for that is this collective power of caring for each other. Um, through a pandemic, through a year that has been really hard and included a lot of heartbreak and grief. And so sort of remembering that even though we're we're behind our little Zoom screens, the reason for that is because we care about each other, which I think in, in a lot of ways is actually really beautiful and inspiring and lovely. And as we said, is has made has made church feel a lot more like real life because my puppy Henry has taken to doing things like mm-hmm. loudly drinking water during the prayer. <laughs> like a couple weeks ago, he just whipped out a squeaky toy in the middle of church. But like, right, we're we're not perfect, and this is what community is. Um, so it's it's been a strange year, but a joyful one in in unexpected ways. So I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve and, and the stories and the, the singing and the carols. We, um, the membership and I, membership team and I put together these holiday bags for all of the families in our congregation. And if you didn't get one, you should update your contact info in Realm so that we have the right <laughs> contact info. Um, because we wanted to make sure people had those candles for Silent Night because I mean, to me, it doesn't feel like Christmas Eve without that candle and the paper skirt, right? Um, right. I, I'm i very proud of this fact. I bought nine pounds of peppermint saltwater oh taffy, gosh. which is the best professional expense I've ever made, wow. um, which is enough peppermint taffy for the whole congregation. And so we, we put carols in there. We put different things in there. So 
we're trying to be creative about the way that we care for each other and, and bring joy in this very strange moment. So I'm hoping it's a it's a sweet end to what has been a very difficult year. Yeah. Um, and speaking of how this year has been so difficult. Um, yeah. We're not going to get a chance to talk to people again, at least in this podcast feed, yep. of course, like Christmas Eve. Um until next year so I know which is wild I was wondering if you could give me and our listeners a little pep talk just to get through (laughs) the next week of a year that like turned everything upside down for us and you and it and held so much grief and I think um I think one of the most important things to remember is to be gentle with our little human selves Right, because it has been a really long year, and it's been hard with everything from grief and isolation to sort of anxiety about the state of the country, um, and the struggle of learning how to adapt to, to new technology and being separate from people. Um, and amazingly, we've made it this far, right? And it's pretty extraordinary, I think, reflecting back on our sheer resilience over the last however many months it's been um, and our creativity and our adaptability. Um, And even if you're tired, and I think many of us are, we still made it this far, right? Like we, we still got here and we're still in it together and nobody is in fact alone. Um, And if you need a little bit more joy, definitely come to Christmas Eve service, call a friend, go on a walk, drink some water, because we've, I mean, we've made it this far. We can, we can keep on and we'll make, we'll make our way together as we do. So may it be so. Yeah. Amen. Happy new year. Happy new year. Thank you so much for all of our conversations this year. I know they've been very fun It's been good. It's been good. I'm looking forward to, to many more. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I feel like this is turning into like a birthday candle wish. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, let's just blow out this episode. (laughs) Yeah, great. To the next one. Onwards. Okay. Have a great rest of this awful, hard, but we're still here year. Yeah. Wild and creative and remembering how connected we are year. So. Exactly. Well, to to our next podcast we go. (laughs) Okay. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Our smoothest outro yet. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at UUCSW.org or visit us in person. All are welcome. I feel like a, I'm like Bud Armstrong or whatever his name is. <laughs>